Excellent. So uh, if love is expecting the best, then the opposite of love is confabulation. Uh, just a legal disclaimer here. Like Merv, my wife is much more intelligent than I am. She doesn't like speaking in front of people, so I just take all of her notes and all my sermons come from her. So, uh, you, weren't, you weren't in the first service, Kate, were you? No, Kate was out with the kids, so she didn't know what I actually preached. Uh huh. So, turn your Bible to uh, John chapter 7. We're going to talk about living water. Fountains of living, no, rivers. Holy Spirit, we actually acknowledge how much we need you. Uh, You lead us into truth, but you touch us more than just speaking to us. It's more than just an academic thing. You pour the love of God into our hearts. And so would you do that this morning? as we look at your word, in Jesus' name, amen. I had a plan to to go a whole different direction this week, uh, and I didn't get there. So, we get this, John chapter seven, verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. It tells us in uh, chapter seven and verse two. And so the last day of the feast, the great day, they would, the priest would go to the pool of Siloam and they would fill up a pitcher of water. They'd bring it back with this great procession with everyone coming and they would pour out the water on the altar, signifying the dryness that they experienced in the wilderness and the water that came from the rock. So they wandered in the wilderness. They got to a point where they were dry. They thought they were gonna die. They were complaining. God said to Moses, strike the rock, and water came out. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that that rock is Jesus. It was a prophetic picture of what's happening here. So here they come with this symbolism of pouring the water out. People don't get to drink it. They're dry. And into that place, Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit. But see, he was referring not just to that. There's a whole lot in the Bible about desert and dryness and rivers, all kinds of stuff. Isaiah chapter 41. I'm only going to read you a few of them. From verse 17, the poor and the the needy seek water but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights 
and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Jesus, he's talking about life, as Kate said, into dryness. Chapter 43. And verse uh, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals, the ostrich, because I give water, waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Wonderful expression. One more. Chapter 44, verse 3, And I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. Are you getting the the story here? Ezekiel 37 talks about dry bones. We've preached about that. Here's a question. Why do people get dry? There's a lot of reasons, but I think one of the reasons is that sincere, good-hearted people try and follow Jesus without the Spirit. They try and do the work of the ministry and partner with him without the Spirit. Luke chapter 24. Verse 47, he's talking about... uh, the message, and that, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Sounds like uh, very similar to Matthew 28, 18. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gives them this tremendous uh, mission mandate, and then he says, but behold, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem, until you're endued with power from on high. He just tells them this whole vision, this mission. We're going to take this message to the nations. And he said, but wait. Don't try this without the Holy Spirit. Just great vision. We're going to impact the nations. We're going to change the, the very f- fabric of this creation but don't try it without the Holy Spirit. You think maybe Jesus knows something we don't? I think this should be the number one ingredient. Number one requirement for ministry. Every Bible college, every mission organization, every church, wait until you receive power. You need the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father, Jesus said that he would send that. Why? Because he knows if you try this without the Holy Spirit, you're gonna end up dry. You're gonna end up shipwrecked. You're gonna end up derailed. It grieves me when I encounter people in that situation. It's almost as if the devil had stolen that concept from the church in many places and said, no, but you don't actually need the Holy Spirit. You can do it on your own. And good, well-meaning people say, I can do it on my own because that's what they're taught. And then they end up dry. 
The good news is that Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, Jesus is still saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, which is the Spirit. There were two major outpourings of the Spirit in the last century. Zeusa Street outpouring, I mentioned these last week, 1906, which became the foundation for what is now the Pentecostal church, about a billion Pentecostals, spirit-filled people in the, in the world. And then the charismatic outpouring in the uh, 1960s, which impacted most denominations, uh, which were actually out of that flow, most of us. There was something of the move of God. They were about 60 years apart. It's been almost 60 years since the last outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you think we're ready for another one? Do you think we need one? Do you think that that vision of the fountain overflowing that ran through the whole city is something that's bigger than us? Good, because I'm going to ask you to pray. Would you stand? Could he be finished already? Yes, we're going to pray. We're going to start with this. I'm going to ask you to, to get with about four or five other people, and we're going to begin to pray for those who are dry in our city. There are literally hundreds or thousands of people who are dry. And we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. We're going to pray that that picture of the fountain overflowing and running through the city impacts our city. If you know people in that situation, pray for them by name. Okay, go ahead. Get, get with four or five. We're going to pray. Okay, you only have a couple minutes, so uh, don't introduce yourself. You can do that later if you don't know them. Just start praying. <laughs> <laughs>